we all know what it is like to wait. We know what it's like to have an event in the future that we're looking forward to, that we wish we could speed time up to get there as soon as possible. We also know the opposite end of the spectrum, where there's an event coming in the future which we're not looking forward to, and we wish that we could slow time down. We all know, including the children who have joined us this morning, we know what it's like to look forward to a birthday, to anticipate a wedding, to wait in line for your favorite food at the Canfield Fair. We know what it's like to wait to see a friend or a family member who we haven't seen in a while. And in my main ministry here at Old North Church with high school students, I've had many conversations similar to what maybe have been in your house about waiting for the first day of school. Well, this theme of waiting is found throughout the Bible, and as we've discussed already this morning, the main thing that, it, that we are waiting for throughout the Bible that the biblical authors point to and we wait for even today is the day of the Lord. There's several, this is found several different places throughout the Bible. We've heard a few this morning. I'm going to mention a few more. Starting in the book of Joel says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. Another, another place in the Old Testament, the prophet Zephaniah says, The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day of distress and anguish. A day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Unless, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. One theologian says of the day of the Lord that it is the point in time in which God will display his sovereign initiative of his control of history, of time of his people and of all people. The day of destruction, the day of the Lord will come and it will be a day of destruction. It will be a day of wrath and it will be a day that is great and awesome. But it will also be a day of great glory and great celebration as those who are found in Christ will celebrate being vindicated and connected to their savior, Jesus Christ. Our text this morning in 2 Peter points us to the second coming of Christ and to the day of the Lord, which will follow. And we are left with this one question this morning. The question is, how will we wait? I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. That's page 1,019 in your pew Bible. We're going to be finishing our series this morning in 2 Peter. Um, it's been, this is the fourth week we are looking at this short epistle in the New Testament. And we're going to be reading all of chapter 3, verses 1 to 18 this morning. But before I read, let's pray and ask the Lord for his help. God, it is a gift that we can gather here together in this building this morning. God, I thank you for each and every person who is here. And Father, I pray now as we open up your word, I pray that you will speak through your word to us. 
God, we thank you for preserving your word for us. And God, we thank you that we can be confident that we can hear from you because we have your word open in front of us this morning. So Father, would you give us the strength and power to apply this word to our lives? And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 2 Peter chapter 3, again, we're going to read the whole chapter this morning, starting in verse 1. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the prediction of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and then the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to, to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter writes to his audience during this, this passage of 18 verses, and he reminds those who are reading this letter that there are different types of waiting. We're going to look at three different types of poor waiting that is demonstrated here in this passage. Poor waiting for the day of the Lord. First, poor waiting is demonstrated by believing that Jesus 
is not coming back. This might seem strange to us who grew up in the church, who we've always, we've always heard that Jesus is coming back. But Peter writes, and he says, there will be scoffers. Look down with me in verse 4. It says, there's going to be scoffers, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter says, there will, there will be scoffers who come. Another word for scoffers would be mockers. There's scoffers and mockers who will come, and they're going to be following this, their sinful patterns. They're going to be looking around at what is going on. They're going to be looking at history, and what are they going to say? Where is the promise of his coming? But it is fascinating and it is encouraging that Peter's response to these scoffers is not, not some made-up way to just respond to them and to attack them, but Peter, instead of doing that, what does he do? He points to the word and the work of God. Let's look down at a few of these verses. It's starting in verse 5. Peter's response is, it says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by what? By the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by what? By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Friends, we don't listen to and we don't entertain what the scoffers say about the second coming of Christ. We find our hope and confidence in the work and the word of God. Peter points here to what God was doing throughout all of history. He said the world was created long ago through water by the word of God. That history went on. We, we know the story. Sin increased. Eventually sin was, was all over the world and God cleansed the world through water. He saved the righteous. He saved Noah. And then history continues on. And it says he, it is, God is keeping the world through his word and is leading to this great day. But friends, we must believe that this day is coming. And I don't know about you, but I believe the day is coming. But a lot of times that's not evident in my life. If we, poor waiting is not only not believing that Jesus isn't coming back, but not letting that show in our life. We must believe that Jesus is coming back. Next, in the next few verses, we see that poor waiting is displayed by overlooking the gift of God's patience. Today, we all know that we live in a world of instant success, instant gratification, and instant communication. We can communicate with people around the world faster than we ever have before. I don't know about you, but, but I become prey sometimes, even this past few weeks, I become prey to some of the marketing strategies of some of the companies that aim for people like me who lack patience. Recently, I, I signed up for a free trial of Amazon Prime. I order a lot of things from Amazon, and how I normally go about it is I order however much I need. I think it's $35 that you must order, and then you get free shipping. And the reason I ordered and I got Amazon Prime is you get free five to eight day shipping, and that sounds good unless you order something that you really want on a Friday. 
then you must wait the weekend, you must wait all the next week, and possibly only get that in the following week after that. And as I think about my own lack of patience in my life, I know some of you parents can think of some of your lack of patience in your own family's life. Some of you children might think of some of the lack of patience that you experience at school. I wonder if part of the reason we overlook God's patience is we struggle to be patient ourselves. See, the second poor way of waiting as overlooking God's patience as a gift is so important because God is not being slow. He is being patient so that more people can experience the salvation that is a gift through Jesus. Peter's very clear in the text here. Look with me down at verse 9. He says this very clearly. Some things in the Bible are very, uh, can seem unclear to us, and other things can seem very clear. We see in verse 9, it says, And the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Look down a few more verses down. Look at the first half of verse 15. It says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Friends, the day of the Lord will come. We don't know when that day will come, but it will come. But God is being patient. It says here, so more people can experience his salvation. Now, I wonder if there's someone or many people even here this morning who came in here, and, and if you were sitting here, and we think about this right now, that if the day of the Lord was today, or the day of the Lord was this week, and you found yourself standing before God, would that be a glorious day of vindication where you are found in Christ? Or would that be a terrible, awful day where you are separated from him forever? you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I, I, I urge you, repent, come to Christ, because we know the day will come. Look with me at verses 10 and 11. I, 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 let's think about how many times the word will takes place here, starting in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are on it will be exposed. In these short two verses, we see four times guaranteeing the certainty of the day of the Lord. But the question is, are you ready? And beyond that, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what? I am ready. I do have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ based not on my own merit, but based on Christ alone. What about your coworkers? What about our family members? What about our neighbors who don't know Jesus? What if the day of the Lord which is coming, what if God is being patient so some of them can experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Poor waiting is displayed by overlooking the gift of God's patience. The third type of poor waiting we see here found in starting in verse 15 is that twisting the scriptures and listening to those who do is a poor way to wait. We just looked at verse 15, but let's look at it again. Verse 15, 
says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Peter, writing to those to those whom this letter went, he acknowledges that Paul also writes about the patience of the Lord. And what I love about this is two things. First off, Peter acknowledges that what Paul writes is scripture. If you, it's one of, the, one of the few places in Scripture where Peter actually writes about Paul and he says, he says um, at the end of verse 16, as they do the other Scriptures. Peter acknowledges that what Paul writes is Scripture, but what I love about this is Peter also acknowledges that what Paul writes can be hard to understand. If it's hard to understand for Peter, it gives me a little encouragement when what Paul writes in the Bible is hard for me to understand. But we see here that as Paul was writing, Peter, Peter points to the fact that people were twisting what he was saying, it says in verse 16, to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. As we wait for the return of the Lord, as we wait for the great day of the Lord, we must be sure we are not found twisting the words of God. And we must be careful not to listen to those who twist the word of God. Friends, think with me about the whole storyline of the Bible for a moment. Isn't twisting scripture one of Satan's tactics the whole way through? Think back to one of the very first scenes in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. Eve is, Eve, Adam and Eve are given a command not to eat one um, fruit from one certain tree. And in Genesis chapter 3, Eve is there before, before the serpent. And what does the serpent say to Eve? The serpent says, did God actually say you shouldn't eat that? From the very beginning, Satan was trying to twist scripture in the minds of God's people. Let's fast forward hundreds of years to Jesus after he was baptized and, and he went into the wilderness and he was tempted and tested by Satan and I don't know if you're familiar with this story. Um, we recently studied it in the Gospel Project here um, at Old North. But when Jesus is, Jesus is being tempted by the enemy, what does Satan do? He doesn't make up his own words and try to tempt Jesus. No, Satan uses the word of God and he tries to twist it and tries to make Jesus do things that would not align with obviously what he wants to do. And four times in Matthew chapter 4, four times... Jesus responds to Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And if Satan is going to try to twist scripture with Jesus Christ, I guarantee you that the enemy is trying to twist scripture with us. And as we wait for the second coming of Jesus, and as we long for the day of the Lord to be united with our king, we must be careful that we are not twisting scripture it brings us to a good reminder, even for me this morning, for all of us, no matter where we're at in our walk with our Lord, that if we're going to be careful not to twist Scripture, the implication there is we must be sure that we know Scripture. The more that we know Scripture, 
the more we are going to be able to protect against times where the enemy tries to twist scripture in our lives. We live in a unique time in history where people are speaking in the public spotlight maybe more than ever and saying things that they are claiming are on behalf of God and are, are, are producing material that might seem like it is part of God's mission in your life. But we must be people who know the word of God and as we wait for the second coming of Jesus, we are not found being guilty of twisting the scriptures because twisting the scriptures and listening to those who do is definitely a very poor way for us to wait. But look with me here at the, at the very last verse in this letter. Um, this, is, this is a letter that's written. A lot of times we don't think about how the different types of literature which are found throughout the Bible. But this is a letter that Peter was writing. And he ends this letter possibly in a very unique way where he, he points us not only how not to wait, but he encourages us how to wait. And follow along with me in verse 18. It says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Now, why this is so important is if you were here several weeks ago when Pastor Nick started off this series in 2 Peter, he pointed out how important growing in a knowledge of Jesus is found here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn with me to, to the very beginning of this letter, and we're going to see where the knowledge of Jesus comes up four times in the first eight verses. Look with me in verse two. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? Through our knowledge of him who called us. Look down with me at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with what? With knowledge. Go down a few more verses to verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's no coincidence here that when Peter started writing this letter, he, he wrote about how important it is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And now in some of the last words that he wrote to his audience, he reminds them that they must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This points us to our big idea of this morning, which is growing in the knowledge of Jesus leads us to actively waiting for his return. If we're going to actively wait for Jesus' return, we know it's coming. We don't know when it's coming, but we know there is certainty in that. If we're going to actively wait for that day, we must be growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Now, you might be wondering practically, what does this look like? Practically, how does growing in the knowledge of Jesus affect my everyday life? But we were reminded when we started this series in, in chapter 1, Pastor Nick reminded us that the fruitful Christian life proceeds from what we know. Meaning our knowledge affects our actions. 
Another way to say a similar statement would be knowledge of Jesus is the fuel that drives the Christian life. If we want to live a life that honors Christ, it must be fueled by a knowledge of Jesus. And we even see that here throughout, throughout this short passage. Go up with me a few previous verses from where we're at. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this. Therefore, beloved, since we are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. How are we going to be found diligent without spot or blemish and at peace? Is it going to be by changing our moral behavior? Is it going to be by trying to clean ourselves up and present ourselves before God? No. It's going to come through an increase of knowledge of Jesus. Because we know that as we abide in Jesus, there will be fruit of that in our lives. And some fruit is being found without spot or blemish and at peace. Look with me up a few more verses up above that. Verse 11 says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since the day of the Lord is coming, it says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Again, how will we become people of holiness and godliness? Is it through changing our actions? No, we know this. It's through abiding in Jesus. It's through growing in a knowledge of Jesus. Because growing in a knowledge of Jesus leads to actively waiting for his return. And I don't know about you, my friends here this morning, but I want to be found actively waiting for the day of the Lord. I want our lives to count where we believe that Jesus is coming and it is evidenced in our lives. So we must be people who don't claim to know all the answers. We must be people who don't put aside God's word to try to figure things out. We must be people who grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And as we, as we close this morning and as we think about communion and, and we think about celebrating Jesus, I want us to look at the very last two sentences of this letter. And it's fascinating. We, we're, we're, calling, we're calling this series, um, we're, we're calling this series Now and Later. We've been looking at 2 Peter and we're calling it Now and Later. And we see here in, the, in these last two sentences, Peter ends his letter by saying, to him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. He, ends his, he could have ended his letter anyway, but he reminds those who would be reading his letter that God is to be glorified, not just on the day. Yes, he will be glorified on that day, and it will be incredible. But God is also to be glorified right now. Friends, God allows us to be part of what he is doing. Not to make a great name for ourselves, not so people look at us or even to our church to make a great name for us, but he allows us to be part of what he's doing, to be instruments and vessels which he uses however he chooses to make a great name for himself, both around the world 
and even right here in Canfield, Ohio. Friends, may we not be those who poorly wait, but let us grow in the knowledge of Jesus, which leads to actively waiting for his return. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the certainty of your word, and we thank you for the certainty of your second coming. And Father, I pray that we are found waiting actively for you. God, I even pray as we think about these things in communion here in a moment, and and as we think about our lives outside of this building, God, I pray that if there are people here who need to repent for the first time, I pray that you give them the strength to do that. And God, I pray for all of us, no matter where we're at in our journey and our walk with you, I pray that we would be fine waiting well and that we will anticipate and look forward to this day where we are joined with you forever. Jesus, thank you for the grace and mercy which you show us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.